when I've been, I keep forgetting to bring this up. When will people stop thinking that comment section prayers mean anything? Or do they mean anything? Because if you're just typing a prayer into a comment section without actually praying it, and maybe people do, but you know. I, I think people do that do that. I think that's a, a thing. Now, what doesn't work for sure is one like equals one prayer. Right. One, that is, yeah. Would that you is share for Jesus, that kind of thing? Ignore for the devil. Yeah. Which that's well, a, it's something like even when I was a kid, it uh, we used to watch EWTN a lot and pre recorded episodes when the priest would do the blessing at the end of a at the end of like Life on the Rock or whatever, and then like my family do the sign of the cross. And I'm like, this is pre recorded, this isn't actually happening right now, so does this count? I don't know. That's something I mean to, well, because like, obviously if you just like, just looped it, you're not getting blessed over and over again. So you could say, I suppose that the priest is offering the blessing and that, you know, he's blessing whoever watches this in the future because God isn't constrained by time. I don't know. sounds like something I'll actually have to ask a priest. Mm. That, that, that is an interesting question that I am. And so, so to me, like. Answer. That's that's kind of what Facebook comment questions raise similar questions to me. How does how does prayer metaphysically translate in digital media? I mean, you can write in a prayer journal mm-hmm. and have that prayer be real as you are praying it yeah. and writing it down. Yeah. And the, does the prayer does the journal need to be physical or can it be also be digital? It's still a prayer when you are doing it right when you're when you are actively i suppose you are transcribing the form of the prayer right yes now whether it's prudent to put that on in the comment section to some random post that's different (laughs) yeah you just posted cringe dr freeman (laughs) you're You just posted cringe. cringe. <laughs> you have lost subscriber. We haven't talked about Half Life, have we? We have not. That's a good one. It is a good one. I feel like I feel like if we do, we'd have to talk about basically just lump it together, Half Life and Portal. Just do the Valve episode? Yeah, the, the Valve, Valve episode. episode. Yeah. I mean, of course, we wouldn't cover. Team Fortress 2 are left for dead, which no, or awesome. Counter Strike or Counter Strike, yeah. So then again, it wouldn't be the Valve episode, it'd just be the good games, yeah. The, the non multiplayer, the episode. narrative Valve episode, um, that could be a thing. Uh, what was the other thing I was I had on my mind? Oh, so we're still working through, uh, well, this is this is a spoiler full podcast, so if you haven't watched My Hero Academia, I apologize, but at the point we are in the series. A Lam- the superhero Lamillion got shot with a bullet that 
rewound his body to before he had his power. But if they just waited long enough, wouldn't the normal progression of time re-express his power? I think the bullet was like engineered to bring his genetic DNA of the human DNA inside him back to a time before quirks were even a thing. Right. That's that's the way I understood it. Yeah. So it wasn't him himself. It was his very humanity. So does he have Neanderthal DNA, right? Is that, is no, that... just, it, it, just it's normal... It's just pre-quirk. It could be any time in the 20th century, for all we know. But certainly not within his lifetime. So it's like 1800s human DNA. Because at this point in the series, we don't know what originally caused humans to express like you know quirks and perhaps we might not ever because it's sort of just an assumed condition of the story yeah it emerges out of the, the bone and your pinky toe but it's, we'll do we'll do an no, episode on my hero but that's that just a telltale sign that you are that kind of evolved human yes okay it's it, not, the, the, the pinky toe thing is not causational it, oh. it is simply correlational right interesting yes yeah well, we'll have to do an episode when, but when we're finished with this season Wait. Teaser. Stay tuned. Subscribe or follow us on Spotify for more, or wh- one of the other platforms we're that people may or may not be listening yet, to. But we're not. We're not doing. We're not doing the outro yet. We this haven't is, even we, done. We the only intro just started yet. the we're intro. Just... Um. Uh. I guess. No. Uh, Speaking of, I guess TV we can talk about what we've, what we've been up to lately. I've been Nothing watching much the good different. Place. Huh? I have been watching the Good Place. Oh really? Is it is it yes. the good? Is it any good? It's I love it. It's really really good oh. so far. It has I watched the pilot uh, in a class. And my opinion of it was was uh tainted by um the class that I was in and I didn't particularly like it. That doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad show. It's just that my, that show is now associated in my brain with that professor or teacher. She wasn't a professor. It's actually a, a highly philosophical show. Mm-hmm. It's kind of poking fun at the... It just kind of pokes fun at a lot of philosophical positions. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, like, the, the, one of the main characters is a philosophy professor. So he's just he that's that was that's what his life work was Mm -hmm. so the the premise is that the main character is sort of in the the quote-unquote good place by mistake Mm -hmm. she got they got all the details about her life wrong so they think she was a good person but in reality she was a very very immoral person Mm -hmm. and so just generally kind of awful and she doesn't know why she's there yeah but she's trying to stay there by learning how to be a good person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this professor of ethics is trying to teach her so yeah it's very it, it's very cute and very fun i really really like it hmm. interesting what else is new um i'm only six episodes in so okay. i don't know how I, but I I expect it to maintain its trajectory. So. Yeah. Yeah. What else is new in the world? The uh, Newman Center, they completed their original campaign goal at the last banquet, so that's pretty cool stuff. 
Yeah, I saw for context, that. it's the Newman Center that both James and I and attended, Riley. and well, and Riley attended, and James and I also. Yeah, they, they're they're building there. a new Newman Center, which we've probably said before, and they have <clears throat> met the original campaign goal. Now, whether or not that's the final cost, I don't know. Construction stuff happens, <clears throat> but cool stuff. It's it's really weird because like I was volunteering for like the Fargo fundraising banquet when I was a freshman. And now I'm a I'm graduated and they've completed it like four years later. So it's kinda kinda weird to see how time flies. Tempus Fujit. Or well, something like that. I went to the airport today. Just like every other day? No. No? No. I went there for work. Yes. Just like every <laughs> other day. <laughs> just like most days. But unlike other days, I was getting my badge renewed. I have uh, at oh, work. I have a badge that says this clearance? guy can be next to cargo planes, and that's okay. And we trust him. This um, guy's kosher, right? Well, actually, no, I'm not Jewish. But um, it, it was going to expire at the end of the month, and so I went to the office and said, "Hey, uh, I'll fill out the paperwork. Give me another one." Mm-hmm. And they did, and that was my event for today. Bartender, to give airport. me another airport pass. <laughs> We should make a drink called the Airport Pass. <laughs> I wonder what that would consist of. Definitely not a Yag bomb. Uh, well, or ironically, we're closely related. It's probably to just it. a four loco. Yeah, or it's kind of like the Irish car bomb, which is a shot of Jameson and a pint of Guinness, I think, or something like that. Hmm. Who is it? Oh, it was my sister Michelle, her now husband, um, was telling us that. She was. She thought she had had a car, Irish car bomb, and she doesn't really drink that much, if ever, occasion only occasionally. And he was like, super confused. Like, you drank an Irish car bomb? Like, what was it? I I forget. I think it was just something like, it wasn't an Irish car bomb. I don't know if I was there for that conversation with my brother's wife. Well, she wasn't there. <laughs> oh, but like this was like at our our place like the weekend of the wedding he was okay. t- he was telling us about this and i was just and he was just like you drank an irish car bomb i think it was something different where she had like irish cream or something sure, like that sure. so she was calling it an irish car bomb when it's like no that's not that's what that is it's like else. and uh i my sister is i suppose you could say petite so that much alcohol would definitely give her an interesting time um, depending on how she uh, parsed it over the right, course right, of the yeah. evening, but yes. And she, yeah, she's not really, you know, she doesn't drink that much to begin with. So it was, it was, it was kind of comical the way he told the story. I feel like we need to have an excuse to bring Andrew on the podcast because as a guest, because we need to talk the way about he talks about Batman related. And yeah. I think, I think having like him on for the dark Knight Batman episode, yeah. he just has such a, like a, very pleasant very well his his command of the english language is he was an good. english major in college well yeah but so i mean like there's english majors and then there's people who are very articulate and see i know a lot of words but i can't always express myself and there's words he knows that i've never heard before yeah you're you're his language is certainly flowery mm-hmm. just like he can he can be 
needlessly complex when he wants to just for fun. But it makes for great conversation. Oh, yes. And probably it's great like podcast. A word which content. here means. Yes, yes. <laughs> which those books were exactly up his alley, the uh, series of unfortunate events. He's the one that turned me on to them. So, yeah, so. yep. Um, Actually, he's the one who recommends most of the books I've read. <laughs> so That's starting to be true for me now, I, <laughs> I guess, th- via your recommendation from but Andrew's also. recommendation. And then Riley as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the other 25% of that. Yeah. We we, we we know many a cultured person. Yes. <laughs> By that we mean like three. <laughs> Except for the people who have no appendixes, then their culture is slightly diminished. I see. There's a certain member of the audience who will probably get that joke and is rolling her eyes as she's listening to that right now. Hi, Faith. Um, you, the, you, you, you trust that she's listening? Mm-hmm. We have yes, a lot indeed. of. I recognize yeah, her presence yeah. in the audience. Yeah, we re- yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. She um, masked to us, though she may be through time and space, as we cannot see her listening to it in the future as we record this in the past. I still recognize her through that mask. Yeah. <laughs> and we say hello. <laughs> Wave to you from beyond. <laughs> from beyond the microphone. I feel uh, for the two of you who are not as in on the end jokes, I'm sorry, but deal with it. And thank you for listening. <laughs> we are the Palladium Papers. For, I'm for, James. I'm Nathan. And I'm Riley. I was, I was going to use the segue. Speaking of masks. Yeah. Actually, uh, that too. That would have worked. Um, today, we're going to talk about the movie The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, mm. Mm. Riley's hearing we, this for the first time. Yeah, we, we neglect Because we're great at communicating. <laughs> Yes, we, we, we are. We're excellent and professional. That's why I totally have no notes on the subject. But then again, I've seen this enough to yeah summarize it briefly and talk about it just because it's one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. As well as uh, it, you like it too, James. I do indeed. Right? Yes. I was introduced to it when I was a teenager, but I've seen it like enough times since then. Just It's just a lot of fun. And we so. watched it with Riley a singular time. Yeah. He seemed to yes. like it. The first time I ever saw it was this past year. And that was like, I think we like tried to squeeze it in before you left for seminary too. So. No, we, we got it like a couple of months. Before. It was, but we're I like, okay. We watched it, it was the winter. It might have been during quarantine perhaps. But I mean, Maybe. I remember the thought being we need to watch this with Riley before he it was leaves. We still had Elaine and Luke's DVDs. Yes. My, my so that, that would have been during quarantine probably yeah. at that point. I think it was actually over the winter. I might have returned that to them over Christmas or something like that. But yeah, tell us about the Princess Bride, Nathan. So, the movie starts with a sick kid in bed in the 1980s when the movie was made. Mm-hmm. Um, modern his, day 1980. Modern day 1980. <laughs> modern day 1980. But something. Uh, so his mom comes in and is like, "Hey, kiddo, your your grandpa's here to t- see you." Uh, and he's like, I don't, I don't want to hang out with Grandpa. Grandpa's weird. He pinches he my cheek. He always pinches my cheek. Maybe uh, he won't. And then he proceeds to do so. Immediately. So upon his grandpa Peter Falk shows up and is like, Hey, I've got a a story I want to read to you. It's my father read it to me when I was sick, and I read it to your father, and now I'm gonna read it to you. And he's all like, oh, Whatever. Is it? Does it have sports? He in plays it? video games, and he's into yeah, sports. He, and so he's he's kind of hard. And he's to, Fred. He's Fred Savage. Yes. <laughs> So, so it's a hard sell, but uh, the grandfather eventually talks him into reading the book. It's called The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so he's reading this book. It starts out where there's this farm girl named Buttercup who lives in a small country in Europe called Florin. And she just kind of has a happy life on the farm. Uh, and there's a farm boy that works on the farm who every time she asks him to do something, she likes to boss Wesley. him around. Uh, every time she asks him to do something, he responds with, As you wish. And what was truly special is the day she realized when he said, As you wish, what, what he really, really meant was, I love you. <laughs> and then it, 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 the love story develops. She, tr- she finds out she loves him, and the, they start to kiss, and the son's like, or, or the kid, he's like, Grandpa, is this a kissing, is this a kissing book? book? And he's like, Someday you may not mind so much. Skip, skip. Oh, is it skip to the part about pirates? That sounded pretty good. Right, and so uh, because Wesley's a poor farm boy, he goes to seek his fortune across the sea. His ship gets attacked by pirates, and he's he's apparently dead. And so Buttercup is all sad. I'll never love again. She she's she's all sad. Then like it cuts to seven, or, or not seven, but like a couple years later in the story, and. Uh, there's this Prince Humperdinck of Florin, uh, <laughs> who is genuinely not a particularly likable guy. Nah. But he's set up to marry Buttercup, who is now a princess for whatever reason. She's just a well, princess because now. she Well, because he's the prince, and so she's made a princess so she can marry him. Right, exactly. Because she's very beautiful. Right, well, that, that was kind she of... She was once a with. commoner like yourselves, but you will not find her so common now. Like he's, I don't know, he's very pompous and just he kind is. of a, a. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's introduced that he and, he's uh, betrothed to her, even though she she kind of doesn't love him. So she's out riding her horse, being, uh, kind of get away from it all. Get away from it all, being vacant. She comes across three guys, um, and they're like, "Hey, uh, let's kidnap you." And she's like, "No," and but she's like, "Well, we're gonna do it anyway." So the big guy. He's like, no. knocks her out. No. <laughs> so they, they grab her and put her on a boat and start sailing away. And they reveal that they were hired uh, to steal, to kidnap and kill the princess to start a war. You have the between... giant Fezzik, the swordsman Inigo, the Spaniard, and uh, Vizzini, who is the Sicilian mastermind of the group. Yes. So this, this trio of, of uh, misfits are sailing away with the princess with the intent to start a war with the neighboring kingdom Gilder that the prince Humperdinck doesn't like. Mm -hmm. When they realize they're being followed by a boat, uh, a mysterious boat, and it's like, huh, well, it's probably some some local fisherman out for a pleasure pleasure cruise cruise at night (laughs) through through eel-infested waters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's like, well, because like Inigo is like looking behind him. He's like, stop doing that. Relax. Nobody, Nobody could have caught up to us. Just, just out of curiosity, why do you, why do you ask? It's like I, I maybe some of us look behind us and something is there, <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's like dismisses it. But then by the morning, it's pretty clear that this guy is definitely pursuing them. Right, and so they, they get to the, the shore of the other uh, kingdom, the cliffs of insanity. Climb up the, in, the cliffs of insanity. Uh, it's a ridiculously and... long rope. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They'll just strap themselves to Fezzik's back, who is Andre the Giant, so he's pretty huge. Right. So, so they climb up. They cut the rope as the guy in the other boat was climbing up after them. Uh, they look over the ledge, and he's just kind of clung to the sp- side of the, the cliff Spider-Man style. And Wallace Shawn's all like, he didn't fall? Inconceivable. And she's, I don't think. I but don't, you keep using that word. I, I do not think it means what you think it means. means. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so That's where that meme came from. 
if anybody there, there, are, there are there's there actually are, quite a few princess there brothers. are a number of memes that come out of this movie it, it is a very quotable movie um it is delightfully written mm-hmm. um, you fell victim to one of the classic blunders <laughs> that's not yet though that's um, not yet though so they break the the trio of bad guys are like well we'll leave uh indigo the spanish swordsman here to kill him when the the man in black the man in black he's like wearing a black mask and stuff when he gets to the top you're gonna kill him and meet us back up on the road and indigo's like okay but uh i want the challenge so i'll fight him left-handed he's like you You know what a hurry we're in it's like it's the only way i can be satisfied if (laughs) If i I use my right it's over too quickly quickly. Because Inigo, his whole deal is his father was killed by a six-fingered man. Um, be, um, his, oh, his father was this expert blacksmith who or swordsmith who made beautiful swords. And so a six-fingered man comes to him and he's like, hey, I need you to make a special sword because I have six fingers. Which apparently this is a real thing that can happen. It's a genetic abnormality, but at any rate. Um, so he's like, okay, cool. And so he makes him a sword. He slayed for a year and made this beautiful sword. And the guy comes back and uh, is like, but only offers him like a fraction of the price he promised for it. Mm-hmm. So his father is like, nah. And so the guy slashed him through the heart and killed him. Mm-hmm. And so Inigo tried to challenge the man to a duel, but since he was only 11, he lost pretty handily to this guy. So he devoted his life to... Handily? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He devoted his life to learning... Uh, fencing and sword fighting so he can become a master swordsman and get revenge for his father's death so he's yeah he's a he's a really accomplished brilliant swordsman but also kind of a drunk and doesn't have a focus in life beyond killing the guy mm-hmm. this is all revealed once the man in black reaches the top and they have this really pleasant conversation yeah they're just super the polite to each other just like super gentlemanly mm-hmm. but uh they after he gets to the top they start their sword fight uh, it's this really fun battle where they banter back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, and then they realize uh, that they're both they're pretty equally matched. But then it's revealed. Then uh, Indigo changes hands. It's like, ha! I'm not left-handed. And then the Man in Black's like, well, I'm not left-handed either. So he switches his hands. Now it's a real fight, mm-hmm. and the Man in Black wins. Mm-hmm. He spares his life and continues to follow. I would sooner smash a stained glass window than destroy an artist such as yourself. But knocks him out, so he can't be he can't follow him. Right. So the man in black is following uh, Fezzik and Vizzini and the princess. And after a while, uh, Vizzini real- looks behind him and is like, he's still coming? Inconceivable! And he sets up uh, Andre the Giant to, to kill, try and kill him next. Uh, which they, 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 they fight. Um, Andre, the bro- Andre the Giant is also kind of like has this gentlemanly attitude toward yeah. him. He's very much a gentle giant. He's like... Uh, he's like he he tries to throw a rock at him, but he misses on purpose because he's like, I could have killed you there, but uh, I, di- I didn't want to. We must fight each other as God intended. Sportsman-like. You mean you put down your rock and I'll put down my sword and we try and kill each other like civilized people? I could kill you now. <laughs> I will say the odds are slightly in your favor. So they, they, they like wrestle, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, Man in Black still manages to best him. Choke right? him out. Yeah. I and do then, not envy the headache you have when you're, you're awake. There's a lot of great minds. Are we going to quote the entire movie, or like if we're not careful? (laughs) Anyway, well, I I could quote this next bit all by myself because uh, this is the next part is when uh, Vizzini realizes he's being followed and he beat Andre the Giant, uh, 
I, I keep referring to it. Yeah. Anyway, Fezzik. so instead, he um he's he sets up a picnic. Uh, is about to like has has a knife to the princess's throat, and it's like, if you come any closer, I'm gonna kill her, and I challenge you to a battle of wits for the princess. Mm-hmm. So they have this battle of wits where the Iocane black powder. poisons one of the two classes full of wine, and uh. The scene has the most wonderful logic loop monologue, where it's like <laughs> trying to reason through whether which which glass the poison is in. Right, and it's well, clearly clearly can't be in front of you, but it also can't be the glass in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. Um, it's re- just really yeah. fun character. Anyway, in the end, in the end, uh, Vizini chooses wrong and dies because the man in black outsmarted him. Mm-hmm. They were both poisoned. I've been spending the last five years building up an immunity to iocane powder. <laughs> so now the man in black has the princess, and we cut to um, Prince uh, Humperdinck has been Prince Humperdinck. is apparently this expert tracker, and he's been tracking them this whole time. Apparently, because with this plot, he was intending to find her dead in the the other kingdom. Assume they did it and uh, declare war, which mm-hmm. is what he wants to do. Um, he doesn't so actually want to marry um, uh, Buttercup because he, she's basically a pawn in his game to start a war and look great for his people. Right. So he's following. Now it's the man in black. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're being, and she's like, okay, dude, what is your deal? He's like, well, I'm, I'm the dread pirate Roberts. You know, the, <laughs> the, the, the pirate that uh, attacked your, your, your boyfriend's ship and, and killed everybody on board. Yeah, that was, that was me. Mm-hmm. I did that thing. Yep. And she's, uh, and she's all, all mad, mad about it. that because mm-hmm. well if you, she you, loved killed, it. you killed my boyfriend mm-hmm. um but then it is revealed over the course of their running away that actually the man in black is the farm boy wesley that she loved mm-hmm. and it's like oh you're, well you're, how'd that happen how, what's up with that uh but so now she's going with him willingly and it's like oh i i, I missed you why didn't you come back and he's mm-hmm. like well i was i was dead <laughs> well it's revealed as she sends him tumbling down this very long steep hill and she's he, like, he yells, as you wish. <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she's falling down. And so she sa- sends herself rolling down the hill after him. It's this comical little bit. They they just, land, then they land on top of each other. It's all, oh, I, I, I love uh, you so I, much. I missed you. It's like, yeah, you're alive. So anyway, now now they're together uh, running away. She's, mm-hmm. she's coming willingly this time. We uh, learned that the Dread Pirate Roberts is sort of a hereditary title. And the most recent holder of the... Um, Dread Pirate Robert's name took a liking to Wesley when he raided his ship and so took him on as a crewman. <laughs> Night, Wesley. Sleep well. Probably going to kill you in the morning for five years. And then he handed on the title to him so he could retire with his ill-gotten gains. Mm-hmm. And then once he became the Dread Pirate Roberts, Wesley came looking for Buttercup. Mm-hmm. Because now he has the, the means to... Because true love can't be stopped. No. Death cannot stop true love. All I can do is delay it for a little while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they head off into the dreaded fire swamp to, to escape from Humperdinck, who is on their trail. So they, they, they make their way through the fire swamp. A couple of little misadventures happen in there. It's kind mm-hmm. of fun. Uh, we, we cut back and forth to the um, uh, the kid and his grandfather over several times to the story. explain points or and stuff. It's it's So that... that um, narrative is running in the background he interrupts mm-hmm. again when they first meet it's like grandpa you said there wouldn't be any kissing in this book. yeah there's another bit too where like the grandpa stops in the middle of his like she like she, she uh, doesn't she's, die here 
Uh, he's she, like, she, she's okay. what? I, I'm, I'm telling you because you look a little nervous. I'm not nervous. Well, maybe I'm concerned, he's, he's like but that's not the blanket. same thing. <laughs> like, because he at the first he was, he was like, oh, I don't know if I like this book or whatever, and but then he's, like he's getting involved. Yeah, he's, he's, he's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they're in, they're in the fire swamp. They get, they make it to the other side, and they meet with um, Humperdinck and his crew. He catches up to him. They, he, he finally catches up, and uh, so Wesley is arrested. Buttercup's taken back, and we learn that Humperdinck's advisor is the Six Fingered Man, Count mm-hmm. uh, Count that Inigo is after. Yeah, <laughs> you have six fingers on your right hand. Someone was looking for you. <laughs> so from here, uh, Buttercup is taken to the castle, and she's locked in a tower until. And Wesley is sent, air quotes, back to his pirate ship when, in reality, he's sent to the pit of despair. The pit of despair. <laughs> Uh, so um to get rid of him and yeah, keep him from you know rescuing buttercup but also the count has this weird fascination with human pain so we build the torture device to to, to study it scientifically using a pump or something i just drained one year of your life away how do you feel <laughs> this is for posterity so be honest <laughs> interesting, interesting. <laughs> There's like the albino guy who's just like obviously like fake like white powdered hair yeah. and face, but he's like the 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 guard of the place or whatever. So no, it's um, it's revealed that uh, he's well, in there doing that, and the princess is like, Wesley will come back for me. I know it because he loves me. And Pumperdink's mm-hmm. all like, mm, I don't know about that, but sure, I'll send a message to I'll, him. I'll and if he doesn't answer, then we'll we'll go for it. I'll send a message, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the meantime, he's like uh, seeding paranoia in his court with the people. Yeah, like, he's... I don't want my bride killed by Gilda. We must uh, flush out the thieves' forest and mm-hmm. make sure no one can come interfere. Mm-hmm. And so, get a brute squad and go <laughs> go clear the forest out. And in the forest, there is um, is Indigo, uh, who's failed and washed up and drunk and waiting for Vizini or somebody to, to come tell back him and what give to do, him purpose in his life. And that's where he meets up with Fezzik, who, who is, is in the brute on squad. the brute squad. Um, and so, they, they they take care of each other. And Fezzik uh, sobers him up, and then they're like, uh, they, I think. Like Inigo knows about the six fingered man, or, or no? Fezzik tells him about Fezzik like tells the six- him about the six fingered man mm-hmm. and he's about like, the wedding. You know what? And about the man in black and all that. Yeah, he's like, you know what? We need to go find the man in black, and because he's he's super smart, we need to figure out a way to get past all the guards and get at this so so six fingered man so I can kill him and stop the wedding. <sighs> and so they go out, set out in search for um, Wesley. Who's in the pit of despair, being tortured just about to death because at level fifty on the at, machine. at level fifty on the machine because Humperdinck's mad at him because he's he's throwing a wrench in his plans with with Buttercup not wanting to marry him because she's going to kill herself if Wesley doesn't save her pretty much just to get at Humperdinck and so Humperdinck tries to kill Wesley and so they hear his scream of ultimate suffering from all the way across the kingdom <laughs> and and, and <laughs> like how do you know it's the men in black. His true love is marry another tonight. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> who else duh. has cause for ultimate pain? <laughs> so so they go find him in the pit of despair, but he's apparently dead. Mm-hmm. Which makes the 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 whole plan a bit uh tricky. Yes. Like, well, let's take him to Miracle Max. It 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 also distresses the child being read to. 
He's oh, like, yeah. wait, Wesley doesn't die. He 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 kills Humperdinck at the end, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, hum- Humperdinck that, doesn't that, die. If, if, if Humperdinck married Buttercup, that wouldn't be fair. Who says life is fair? <laughs> and then, like, the kid's mad, and he's like, all right, do you want me to go on with the story? No, read it. Read the story. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, it, um... So what they so Fezzik and Indigo with Wesley's body, they're like, well, let's take him to the Miracle Guy because <laughs> who used uh, to be paid th- by the King, Bill Crystal. So yeah, in an old man costume. Yeah, at that time, I mean, he's old now, but so yeah, they they're like, can, can, can we buy a miracle? And he's like, uh, I don't do that anymore because the King's stupid son fired me. He's like, hey, this guy will help us ruin Humperdinck's wedding. Oh, I can get at Humperdinck. All right, I'll do this pro bono. It turns out your friend is only mostly, mostly dead. dead. <laughs> Big difference between mostly dead and all, and all dead. dead. <laughs> mostly dead is slightly alive. Mm-hmm. All dead is usually only There's one only one thing, thing you, you can do. do. What's that? Go Dig- through his clothes and look for loose change. <laughs> <laughs> so he gives him a miracle pill covered in chocolate so it'll go down easier. <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> To bring him back to life. So they're carrying Wesley's dead body, or not mostly dead body, to the uh, to the to the castle now waiting waiting for the miracle pill to ki- kick in he slowly wakes up but he's still mostly paralyzed right and getting he, his strength he can back. only move his move his head and talk wobbly it's like <laughs> but yeah like, and so he's like you guys brought me into this situation okay we need to rescue buttercup and i'm kind of helpless and these so, guys so are what hoodlums. are our assets your my steel his strength and your brain it's like oh maybe you've had a week to come up with a plan but this you just wiggled your head. Doesn't that make you happy? <laughs> like, just the writing. Go easy on him. He's had a long day. Oh, right. And then he nods his head. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty a lot. A lot of little vis- visual humor with that moment. Yeah. Um. So eventually they devise a plan. They like uh, dress Fezzik up in a cloak and light it on fire to scale, scare the guards. The superstitious and, guards, yeah. And so they get into the castle, into the interrupt castle. the wedding. Before the vows can be said, so they don't they, actually. They don't get interrupt the wedding. They're in the middle of the wedding, and the the impressive looking minister. brings us together today. And and uh, Humperdinck hearing the commotion outside, just like skip to the, to the end. end. Same man and wife. Same. And and, and Buttercup's all like, he he didn't come. We're mm-hmm. we're, we're apparently married now. And so, so he locks her up in the tower, and they they. They're, as they're infiltrating the castle, uh, Inigo is fighting all the guards, and Fezzik's breaking open a couple of doors, and Inigo has a showdown the with the. Uh, man. He gets uh, cheap shotted with a dagger by the six fingered man, but he slowly battles back back to his feet. He's like, "Hello, my I'm Inigo. Mo- my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die." <laughs> Which is a line he's reverse rehearsed since he was a boy. So he's just saying it over and over again. That's his like one driving force in this moment as mm-hmm. he uh as he manages to kill the six-fingered man mm-hmm. um meanwhile fezzik can't find wesley where he left him and so he's all confused we cut to buttercup in her room getting ready to kill herself about ready to stab herself through the heart mm-hmm. and wesley is just there he's like he's hey. like hey don't hey, hey don't she's like wesley you're, you're back and he's like Gently. How could you say gently in a time like this? Because well, because he's paralyzed. He can't move from the neck down. And Humperdinck comes back, and Wesley proceeds to rip him a new one and totally like destroy Verbally his speaking. ego. Yes. Um, 
with you know just like absolutely calling him all the like the worst. While, while he's lying limply in bed. Yeah, he's basically buying himself time, so he's just like insulting this guy's pride until he and, and also his, like threatening to do the worst kind of things mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he'll be uh, <laughs> you'll be wallowing in freakish misery forever. <laughs> he's like, I think you're bluffing. It's possible, pig. <laughs> that I'm only lying here because I lack the strength to stand. Then again, perhaps I have the strength after all. So he stands up and points his sword. Sword, drop your sword, and he does. Have a seat. All right, time up. He's like, yeah, I knew he was bluffing. <laughs> and so Inigo comes back from his fight, and he's like, Hey, do you want me to kill this guy for you? No, nah, I want him to live forever with his cowardice. Mm-hmm. And so Fezic, this whole time, he got kind of left behind by everybody. So he goes and finds four white horses for them to ride off into the into the into, the, sunset, into with. the sunset with. And so they look as they, they rode off into the sunset. Buttercup and Wesley. Uh, and he shuts the book. He's like, "Wait, grandpa. The, gran- the grandpa." The, the, the grandpa shuts the book, and he's like, "This kid's like, wait, what happens next?" Ah, it's kissing. You, you won't, you won't like it. It's, it's like, like, I don't mind so much. Maybe, I, maybe I won't mind. And so he's like, and, then, and and he describes the kiss, and then story's over. Mm-hmm. And and so now we're now that that story's resolved, we're left with uh, the kid and his grandpa in, in his room. And as the grandpa's getting ready to get up and leave, uh. The kid's like, hey, Grandpa, um, maybe maybe you want to come back and read that story again to me tomorrow? And the Grandpa goes, as, as you, you wish. wish. End of movie. So that, that, there's, that there's the Princess Bride. That, that there's, I mean, we went a little bit more in depth, but we just have so much fun. There's a lot more to the movie, obviously. There's just you know great writing. Well, oh. The thing is, the movie isn't really all that incredibly deep, but it's just, it's good fun. It's so it's delightful. Char- it's mm-hmm. charming. Yeah, it's very it's, charming. It's like it it is it feels it's like kind it's of aware, tongue in cheek. It's aware of how cliche all the the fairy tale true love tropes are. It's both an homage. But it also plays them straight. Yeah, it's an homage and a and a um commentary on fairy tales. Right. It allows itself to it just revels in how kind of kind of silly it is mm-hmm. it's just the the message is it it plays it straight like the true love beats all mm-hmm. and all this stuff but also it's just like we know it's cliched mm-hmm. we're gonna play into that but mm-hmm. we're also gonna take it as seriously as they do in universe yeah so it it's just really a delightful time it is just fun yeah um it was written uh, the screenplay was written by the same guy who actually wrote the book uh his name is i had it Goldman? William Goldman. William Goldman. So, yeah, the, he, he wrote the original book, but also wrote Did the, the screenplay for the Did the book do the meta story thing, or is that it, specific to the movie? It kind of did, because in the movie, the, the grandpa's reading the book, is like, The Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern. So mm-hmm. S. Morgenstern, in the book, is the original author of The Princess Bride, and William Goldman like has uh, notes throughout the book. That's like, hey, I, I got the the publishing rights for this original Florin trans- story from yep. my homeland. Mm-hmm. Florin is that, made up, of course. Right, of course. But I'm translating it for the first time, and the original author, S. Morgenstern, mm-hmm. uh, said this and this, but I did it, interpreted it this way, and I don't have the rights to the sequel, so I can't uh, uh, I can't write Buttercup's Baby. But that that that's this whole other thing. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's actually rather funny. Now, um, I've never personally read the book, but my older brother Andrew, who mm-hmm. who also really likes this movie, has read the book. And uh, now, what that sort of reminds me of: Have you, either of you guys ever read Mark Twain's Joan of Arc? 
I haven't. Because the point, the story, like the, um, the storyteller in that book is a scribe who was near to Joan of Arc during the events, major events of her life, who is now writing down his account of her story. And so that kind of, rem- like, maybe it's like slightly inspired by that. Um, right. But where the- he's like, or no, I think the book is like a translation of this original account. And so sure. he's got little notes here and there. So it could very well be inspired by that book, which actually. Mark Twain wasn't, side note, but Mark Twain wasn't really that religious of a guy, but his book on Joan of Arc is surprisingly well-researched and just a very good book. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's like takes a slightly more fantastical um, angle at her spirituality, but he doesn't like shy away from, you know, like the Catholicism of it and everything. So it's, it's really interesting. So it could be that that the Princess Bride was the storytelling style was could have been inspired by that. So anyway, that kind of a meta story does exist in the original book, Mm -hmm. but it's framed in the movie in a different way. But it still kind of is this passing of tradition from one generation to another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So so it's so so that's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Um just cool things about the movie the characters are really fun oh yeah just the 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 way they're written the way they're acted just so delightful so so quote worthy <laughs> it's kind of like a charles dickens novel in that all the characters are important and mean something and they all kind of coalesce at the end yeah for the climax of the story like there there aren't really any dead weight characters except for the uh except for the the uh dirty old woman in buttercup's dream but that's, <laughs> but that's that, kind of a fun that, sequence that, that's just that's just fun mm-hmm which that rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. Anyway, um, altogether, well, with the exception of Vizzini, I suppose he dies. But he, he does. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's that's just one of my favorite scenes overall, just because Wallace Shawn and his delivery and the writing is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really delightful movie. I recommend it. Yeah. Um, now. Riley, what were your impressions of it, like having never watched it before, only tangential, or like hearing about it being referenced in memes and then from other people? What was your impression of the movie watching it for the first time rather recently? I, for whatever reason, before having ever seen it, had this notion in my head that it was just a cheesy rom com. Mm-hmm. And that is totally not at all what it is. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I was very pleasantly surprised. It like, is cheesy, but in a very much a different kind of way. It it, it was, uh, in a certain way of speaking, it is a cheesy rom-com. Mm-hmm. But it's a totally different cheesy rom-com than you would expect based on those words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's actually funny, is what I mean to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just was in in love with it from the get-go like this mm-hmm. is exactly my sense of humor this is exactly the sort of thing that mm-hmm. i enjoy this is the way i like it's it's just all um like i have the hardest time believing because you know you're super into like space balls and different films like that oh, yeah, i was just just super surprised that you hadn't bl- seen it yet blatant satire sort yeah of thing. but yeah it's like this is something we must rectify right because it's just too good of a movie and now you understand the context behind the memes so mm-hmm. All great. good stuff so yeah um well when i when i first watched it, i'd never heard of it before 
I think I might have seen a clip of it in a hotel once. I think I saw the R.O.U.S. scene at the hotel. Sure. And I was like, what on earth is this movie? First time I saw it was dad borrowed it from a co-worker or something like yeah. that. He had it recommended to him. And we just loved it to death. And so we ended up having to having to get it. Get your own it. copy. Yeah. Watch it way too much mm-hmm. uh, to, to the point where... Um, just buy just, your own DVD. We, we, we would reenact scenes just for fun because... It's just so fun to do the the iocane powder poison scene, mm-hmm. and to the point where um, uh, at our family reunion er- earlier in the summer, uh-huh. we kind of threw Andrew and Michelle a, uh, yeah. a wedding shower, mm-hmm. and uh, all of, all of us siblings of Andrew uh, had created a skit um, that was based on the Princess Bride, mm-hmm. uh, and so and, and so it was like. Rachel, my sister, was reading a story of how Andrew and Michelle's wedding got um, postponed. Uh, d- postponed, and so it, and it was just framed as the Princess Bride. Now, Andrew and Michelle had no idea what was going on, but, but they were in it, right? They were in it. They were, the <laughs> ma- they were the leads, but we didn't tell them what was going on until it was actually happening. And so, watching the, them react to it, and at sort the same of like time, put two and two but together. also kind of know what they have to say. That's awesome. I w- did you guys record that? We did. I, I kind of want to watch that at some point. That, that sounds like a good time. Something. Anyway, so th- that's how much we like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so I suppose going into to Transcendentals? Or what? Yes. That um, is our shtick, after it is, all. It is, isn't it? So um, for starters, we got Truth, right? Yeah. And I think when we were watching this, Riley pointed it out, um, the, the statement, as you wish meaning I love you in this context, um, it it kind of rings true, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's this... Um, Willing the good of another. Right. The the submission of your will to do the good of another person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, that is like what the entire movie centers around. It's, well, at least the main love story, right? Mm-hmm. The, this mantra of as you wish. Wesley's love for Buttercup is born of his desire to serve and make her happy um and at first she sort of takes him for granted and things like that but her love for him is out of a desire like once she realizes what's going on is out of a desire to sort of reciprocate that love back to him Mm -hmm. and so it's a very natural very you know catholic understanding of love whether or not that was the intention i mean true love is inherently catholic because true love is actually god right (laughs) yes yes but it's, it's one it's wonderful how like it very simply encapsulates that dynamic it does in, in this really just simple, pleasant, also kind of hammed up for the camera way. Yeah. But it's at the core of it, beyond the layers of cheese, there, there's, a, there's a core of like, yeah, that's, that's the essence of love. It's this as you wish. Mm-hmm. Gift of self for the good of another. Gift of self. Which, which, at the, which we also see kind of play out in the grandfather and mm-hmm. grandson dynamic. Yeah. Where as... After His grandson's sick, and he's like, all right, I'm going to make your day better. I'm going to read you a story. This will be good for you. Get you away from your video games in 1986 or whenever this movie came out. So, I yeah. just I loved that that last line from the grandpa, as you wish. Mm-hmm. I, I, I teared up a little bit at that. I was like, that's just perfect. That is mm-hmm. the perfect way. To 1987, that's when this came out. Yeah. That is, that is how you end it. Was that a, it was a very, it was like a very rosy, like warm feeling going out of the but movie. But it also like demonstrated that 
his love for his grandson is very much this this love of service and his desire to sort of like no trust me this this book will you know it connected me with my father it connected me with your father and now like the two of us can bond over this book right so it's this it's this intergenerational bonding through sharing of stories mm-hmm. uh really cool and stories is one of our sticks um right. we, we like stories that's kind of the thing too with like um i remember like our first episode we were talking about the nature of stories and why are they great and a lot of that is just sort of i mean talking about the human experience but it's also um you know that passing on that interpersonal experience yes yeah, the interpersonal experience and then passing things on through generations and communicating deeper truths mm-hmm. and that's what this movie really does a good job of illustrating um, so I guess that kind of brings us into goodness. Well, is, or unless there's another little side plot is I wanted to talk about uh, um, Inigo's arc because oh, Inigo, at yeah. the end, after killing the six-fingered man, uh, Inigo really isn't satisfied. He's, he mm-hmm. feels very hollow. And he's like, well, after after dedicating my whole life to doing this and then finally doing it, I, 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 don't, I don't know, know what's what left do. for me. I don't know what to do with myself. You'd make a wonderful Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> but it's like... Um, you ever considered piracy? <laughs> <laughs> but also, like that—that that revenge really didn't ha- uh, yeah. do what he wanted it to, right? Yeah, uh, he avenges his father, and so there's that. There's catharsis. That, that, that justice mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, in, in a, in a because the six-fingered man is, you know, a cruel, you know, person who thrives. But off contrast of that pain. with Wesley's justice, where he spares Humperdinck's life, mm-hmm. but lets him live with the regret of his decisions and his mm-hmm. because Humperdinck is sort of the shadow to um, literarily speaking to Wesley where he's truly selfless. He cares about um, he cares about buttercup. Whereas Humperdinck is sort of using her in a way to achieve selfish ends, like his own pleasure and like the, the sport of war and fighting that, you know, darned country across the sea. Right. So his relationship of with buttercup is purely one of utility mm-hmm. and, and, and necessity. he's like flippantly says to his best friend, the six making man, how much he's looking forward to strangling her on their wedding night. <laughs> it's which like, is just uh, such I, a bizarre... I'm sorry. I can't be there for the torture. I I'm swamped. I have a, a, a wedding tonight. I have a wife to murder and a country to blame for it. I'm swamped. Get some rest. <laughs> if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. <laughs> just, oh. And he's never really, comes across as ha, 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 I'm evil. Like he's, he's just more he's like apathetic about it. This he's guy just, is kind of a butt. Yeah. That's just And you're supposed to, yeah. He's just kind of So so he kind of represents that antithesis of mm-hmm. love in a way for compared to Wesley. So yeah. yeah. And then another the thing, other thing too, that like, kind of struck Wesley, me Wesley's about... virtues kind of come out in opposition to like Vizzini or Inigo when they first meet, or mm-hmm. Fezzik. His his um, sword play comes from, you know, his desire to stay alive and pursue, you know, with the pirates and pursue Buttercup. So that's how he bests Inigo. His strength comes also from his love and his desire to rescue Buttercup, mm-hmm. so that's how he bests Fezzik, who is this huge guy who doesn't even exercise just because he's naturally huge. And his wit, also, he is more humble about it than Vizzini, who's just kind of like, I'm the smartest Bragging guy about ever. about how smart he is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and he he doesn't like charge in guns blazing. No. He sits down and has a actually pleasant chat with these people because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to fight them. Mm-hmm. He's trying to actively avoid uh, getting 
messy if he can. Mm-hmm. But he's it, it's and honestly, at the end, it's it's uh, it's that's um, how he beats uh, Vizzini's Vizzini's hu- hubris is what defeats him in the end. Yeah. So, and, and in the end, he doesn't even have to lift sword hardly to uh, beat Humperdinck. He he he's talks like, him. You down. are just the worst. Yeah. And get off your high horse because you suck. Riley, something struck you? Yeah, it, it's just kind of what a weird coincidence the character of Inigo is in general. Like mm-hmm. how many similarities to Saint Inigo he has. Oh, yeah. Sp- Spanish swordsman who after his w- pursuits of war doesn't find satisfaction in them mm-hmm. and searches for something greater. Yeah. I, I just thought that was a, a weird coincidental S- parallel. Inigo Monto- or Loyola. <laughs> I am Inigo Loyola. <laughs> yeah. You threatened my mother. Prepare to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't. So, yeah, I think it's really tough to say. Like, I mean, I'd have to read up on like the author and see like you know what his literary influences were. But it's interesting, like the coincidences like that. Mm-hmm. And obviously inspired by that sort of European tradition. Well, because like, um, that was another thing in Ignatius or Inigo's conversion was was like he wanted to read all these fairy tales and stories of you know great heroic feats and things like that but all he had available at this house where he was recovering from war was lives of the saints so conversion through literature it can happen mm-hmm. beauty we'll get to beauty but goodness um true love yeah true love and also the th- there's this kind of brotherly camaraderie between Fezzik and Inigo mm-hmm. they 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 don't they, and by extension like Wesley because when they team up with him at the end because I realized this is a really solid guy and he's like yeah like he's like I mean it's not necessarily as mutual but it's like you know I didn't kill you guys for a reason I generally think you're good people I generally respect you as human beings mm-hmm. and it's he, he's kind of what uh the, the leader that uh Vizzini should have been because mm-hmm. Vizzini was always you know t- putting him down and, and insulting he was how since he's a short, short little were. dude all he has is his smarts and so he sort of manipulates the other two into doing things for him as opposed to Wesley. Right. But e- even when they're working for Vizzini, they have this kind of like, they'll, they'll, they'll go back and forth and rhyme with each other for fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just to, just to annoy Vizzini, but like also cause, cause they're generally good guys and want to be friends, but also they just life put them into a bad situation where they have to be like mercenaries. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I, I, I really find that to be a, just kind of, Wholesome the movie brotherly. altogether is very wholesome. Yes. It's sort of an aberration for 80s comedies because there's a lot of comedies that are just sort of raunchy and gross to some degree or another. Um, but this one is just, it's its funny, it's clever, it's just a like a good story, and it, it just, it's very family-friendly. And speaking of families, at the core of the movie is this grandfather and grandson and their, their mm-hmm. relationship that grows over the course of sharing the the story the experience of the story mm-hmm. and yeah. and the kid matures a little over the course of the, the movie he grows to enjoy the book and they have this these exchanges about what's going on in the book and because he's all like like toward the end when they think uh wesley's dead uh he, he's he's all mad because well who's gonna kill humperdinck at the end somebody's mm-hmm. got to and he's like well Grandpa's like, let me finish the lesson with this story. Like, you got, yeah, I hear the rest, so you get the full picture. Right, right. So, so at the end of the movie, their their relationship is is stronger, and mm-hmm. he's 
grown up a bit and the it's it's great. Yeah. Um Beauty. This movie is definitely a product of the late eighties. Oh yeah. It's like heavily synthes or synthesized music. But then again, like the soundtrack is also very charming and very whimsical and fairy tale like and so it's uh <laughs> with the credit song sung by Andre the Giant, which is really funny to me. <laughs> it's it sounds about what you'd think he'd sound like um hearing his voice but and of course not all the the effects um hold up right. very well it's, but you know practical it adds effects to the charm yeah because because the movie's not really trying to be realistic giant rat monster yeah but it's also just kind of fun yeah like it's not really there to be realistic it's a it's a it's a fantastical story so it would draw more from the special effects like that would be more theatrical than yeah. than uh, you know movie magic as it were so i think the shrieking eels and uh, <laughs> and rodents, uh, rodents of unusual, unusual size, size. <laughs> one of my favorite part I, I i like this part when he when uh he's 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 reading the book and he's like you know what that sound is highness those are the shrieking eels and he's like grandpa grandpa you've read that part already he's like oh i'm sorry i got it he, he like finds his place in the book again and, and of course it's wallace sean but with peter falk's voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> very funny. and so like and the, and then like when your grandpa is like trying to find his place again. Buttercup is just kind of sitting there waiting awkwardly <laughs> in the water. It's, it's like there's a lot of little gags that are just like, oh, that, that's that's the. It's very it's very fun. meta, but not like it's not like self aware. Not meta, like Galaxy se. Brain it's meta. No, it's it's it, it's self aware for sure, but it's definitely not like big brain meta. It's not fourth right. wall break meta. Right. It's it's self aware, but it it's just also plays it straight anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at, it's not the. I wouldn't say like sort this, of in a tongue-in-cheek fashion. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is like among the more beautiful movies I've seen. It's fairly stock standard for the for the time. For the time, but it's not unpleasant. It's mm-hmm. the setting, like you know, in like this beautiful countryside like, and different things like and that. Some like, cool locations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, things like that, and then the sword fight between. Inigo and uh, and Wesley is considered one of the best movie That's sword fights of all time. And I think the choreographer for that also had worked on a bunch of other movies. I mean, it was I believe Lord the of the Rings that did Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Like, so he's you know long track record of. But, you know, but half of what's great so great fights. about that duel is the conversation that's happening at the same time. Yeah. How they're constantly complimenting each other. It's like, oh, I appreciate that's good form. It's yeah, like, it's oh, like I they're, they're complimenting each other's technique and stuff. He's like, you're a wonderful. Well, you Thank you. Be I've worked hard to become so. <laughs> I must admit you are better than I am. Then why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. What is that? I am not left-handed. <laughs> it's like half of it is this fantastic choreography, but the mm-hmm. other half is this really fantastic writing and mm-hmm. character work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's almost Shakespearean in a way that it's written. Like there's I'm, sort of little influences like that in there. It, it's it's where like character character is brought out in conflict between the two characters when they meet up with each other. Right. Like, Honestly, any any like characters revealed through dialogue. I I, I would say obviously it's there's more, no like pro. It's more generally theatrical. I don't know that that's a specifically Shakespearean thing. Right. Yeah. That's, it, I guess that's what I'm more, going for. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, all the parts in the book itself. Yeah. Which is narratively fitting because it it fits. Well, it 
to that, there's unity right there. It's like yeah, that's it, a unity. it kind of all fits into this idea of a fairy of telling a fairy tale. Yeah, there's no filler story. scenes. Everything goes in service of the plot and the main, you know, moral of the story. Because oddly, the main plot is kind of the grandfather and grandson, mm-hmm. and the whole story is is framed around that. And so there's this kind of very storybook feel to the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just very pleasant and everything's kind of serves that all of the the yeah. characters and their tropes and their dynamic and then like constant and then occasionally breaking the pace of the movie by cutting into the kid interrupting mm-hmm. that reminds you that oh yeah this is it maintains the continuity on. of the setting of the film in so that yeah, it's, the, a, it's a grandpa telling his grandson a story so in in that identity is very united mm-hmm. very cohesive we like also, to use that, that word the, cohesion right well, that's a good, like, uh, synonym for unity, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also the whole story and whole plot is very centered around that idea of true love and mm-hmm. that uh, as you wish. It allows right? him, it allows Wesley to overcome crazy obstacles to pursue his true love, Buttercup. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. That is The Princess Bride. Definitely watch it if you haven't seen it before. I mean, even after we spoiled it, it's just pure delight to watch yeah <laughs> did you it, it, it's good. it's an experience there's a reason why it's considered maybe well it's not really it's sort of a cult classic but it's just kind of generally a classic i think it's got a level of popularity I think it's somewhere between cult and general classic yeah <laughs> it's just definitely worth a watch it's part of pop culture anyway thumbs up from us yes you'll definitely enjoy it if you have an open mind about it so it's not a hard movie to like in my opinion no i think i think um, my parents didn't like it for a bit because we annoyed them with uh, Vizzini way too much. Yeah. Just like all the quotes and stuff. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so as long as you don't quote it incessantly around And, and annoy all of your friends. And, and the other thing is... Um, if you just do that sort of thing in general, I guess, whatever. But a, lo- a lot of times there's movies that are kind of ruined by people being like, oh, it's the best movie ever. Yeah. And if you keep hearing from people that it's going to be the best movie ever and you go into it watching it and you don't get the best yeah. movie ever... Uh, you're generally going to be disappointed, which is unfortunate. Take that with a grain of salt in that it's an expression of how much people enjoy the movie. That's generally how that works. But I mean, like, especially with this one, like, it's not, you're not going to have a life-changing experience watching this movie, probably. But you will probably have a good time. Yes. So, yeah. If you have a good time listening to this. Uh, you should follow us on Facebook and Twitter because I am posting things now at Palapapis. Also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at the Palladium, at palladiumpapis at gmail.com. Our request queue is currently empty. Yeah, so you could, you could have first dibs if you were to email after listening to this episode or the last episode, depending on when you're listening. So, um, also... You can listen to us on Spotify or Google Play or Google Podcasts or whatever it is now, iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, yeah, I guess any closing remarks from anyone? We good? Inconceivable. (laughs) Inconceivable. Sorry, I bumped my... There's a shortage of perfect podcasts in the world. (laughs) It would be a pity. Pity to damage this one. I think when somebody... I think on Twitter there was discussion at the beginning of the year like if they were going to do a, a remake of The Princess Pride. And Carrie Elwes, who was the actor who played um, Wesley, was like, there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a pity to damage this one. <laughs> or something like that. Yes. 
So yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of timeless. So yeah, don't don't please Hollywood if you're listening. The movie is timeless, but your time is not. So we appreciate the fact that you listened to us this week, and uh, we'll be back again with more next week. Talk to y'all later. Bye bye. See ya.